Hello and welcome to the Pure Football Podcast with me, Guillem Balague, and somebody else. There is always somebody else, because this is a, a door towards other worlds, people that have experienced football from different angles. In this occasion, is a player who has been in different countries, a player that arrived from France to England when he was 17, and that's the part of football that I'm curious about. Football and the, and the lives of footballers. What happens when you are 17? You leave absolutely everything behind and then move into another world. Well, in this case, actually, it was a good year. It was a good move. And it was later on that things became a little bit more difficult until he found some stability. I'm talking about Francis Coquelin. Uh, in Spanish, he's Coque. And somebody that uh, we could do this conversation in, in French, in Spanish, in English. Uh, but uh, it will be in English for you. Uh, as uh, so stay put don't go away because he will be talking to me uh, about the semi-final against Arsenal the first leg the very strange feeling that they all had uh, it was a good result but the performance uh, suggested that they could have could have taken it a bigger result is 2-1 from the first leg in Villarreal and uh, and then of course let's see what happens in the second one but also we'll talk about that 17 year old Coque or Francis or Francis Coquelin And the friends that he made along the way, especially with that team that won the FA Cup, the Youth FA Cup at Arsenal. Uh, what was his debut like? What is Arsene Wenger like as well? A special chat that uh, he had with him. I'm sure he'll, um, he won't mind sharing. And then, of course, about Mikel Arteta, who he had as a colleague, as a teammate. But already, when he was in the side, Mikel Arteta was more than just a player for the rest of the squad. There is all that and more in this conversation that I had with Francis Coquelin, the week in which he plays the second leg of the semi-finals of the Europa League. Francis Coquelin, Coque, how, how do your friends call you? Well, in Spain, they call me Coque. Coque. So how are you? Yeah, all good. All good. Excited uh, for the game coming up uh, on Thursday. But ready. Ready for an important game of the season. See, I hadn't heard you speak English yet. And um, I've heard you in French and in Spanish. And you've got a Cockney accent. Not as strong as Hector Bellerin, <laughs> but quite strong. <laughs> you notice it as well, don't you? Well, obviously, I spend a lot of time in England and uh, I've been in a family when I first came. So, obviously, you get all the, the habits of the, of the talking, of the family and everything. So, yeah, maybe uh, I've got a little accent. Is that in Barnet? I was in Enfield. More, I was in Enfield. Because uh, I, I think I walked um, Barnet one day with, uh, with Cesc Fabregas and he took me to the house where he was. And it's just a two-floor house and you're all very modest. You, 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 you learn a lot, as you say, because it's all very intense. But coming down was, um, uh, who was it? Fran Merida. Fran Merida was coming down without socks, with the T-shirt on top of the, of the shorts, like, like this, the hair all over. And he said, look, that was me three years ago. That was at some point all of you, wasn't it? As, as kids, you were just kids with a family. That was, how was that like for you? Yeah, for me, it was, it's been really important because uh, when you don't speak the language, uh, you leave your family so young. I think the, the fact that I was in a family, an English family that took me over, it was, it was important in my, in my development in the country. And I still got strong links with them. You know, I, I actually, I took, took to them uh, today because um, 
it's the birthday of my wife, of my uh, of my little one, and my birthday next week. So they they said to me, "Are oh, we gonna give all the presents? Because obviously they can't fly over at the minute with the virus. So they're gonna give me all the presents at the hotel. So it shows that the connection we still have uh, since now more than than twelve years. Because you arrived when you were seventeen, and, exactly. uh, and what what was what was Koke like at that seventeen? What were you like? Well, <laughs> was a, a young man, uh, obviously uh, discovering a new country, and obviously was willing to willing to do well because uh, coming to such a big club like Arsenal, uh, I knew it was going to be difficult. Uh, you can see through my through the years that uh, it hasn't been easy for me at Arsenal. It took me time for to settle in the team, but um, no, the, at, at that age, you know, I was really excited to to come to such a big club and uh, willing to do so well. What I noticed when talking to uh, Fran and, and to Cesc is that you had a lot of free time uh, in a very tiny room. I think you can only have like a, a, a music, what is yeah. it, machine. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was a bed uh, and there was not much more. It, it was your life like that for a bit as well with a lot of free time and only able to listen to music? Yeah, we had a lot of free time. Obviously, when I first came, I didn't have my driving license, so I couldn't move too much. But the good thing with that family is it was four players. So at the time, I was with uh, Ignacio Miquel, another Spanish one, uh, Rui Fonte, Portuguese, and uh, an English one, uh, Sanchez. So um, at least we could interact in between each other, talk to each other, a lot of video games as well. But yeah, the most we were really concentrating on football and um, rest of the time, yeah, we were spending it other, other with the family. There was a place where Efto Bellerin lived that uh, they had snooker. So he reckons that if he had dedicated himself to be a snooker player, he probably would be number two, number three in the world. <laughs> so he says. <laughs> so he says. It's the amount of time that he put into it. Uh, yeah. Were you, uh, were you also, did you become very, very good at something with all that free time you had? Well, the free time I had, to be fair, I'm always someone who really liked football. So I was watching a lot of football. Uh, in my free time, obviously, for someone coming from such a little town uh, to explore London, to go to to town, to to see all the all the shops, it was something new for me. So I spent quite a lot of time to, as well in 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 the centre. I had a good connection as well because the family where I was had an had a son it was close to my age, so I spent a lot of time with him, which as well helped me a lot settling in in, in the country. So imagine this exciting time at 17 to come to another country, learn another language, at the club like Arsenal. But at what point does it become uh, hard in the sense that perhaps I'm not, I'm not given the opportunities or I have to go on loan? Were those difficult times where you have to change your path a little bit? Yeah, well, it's difficult because, you know, you sign for Arsenal and then a lot of people think that's it. You know, you, you're going to play and everything, but obviously it doesn't work like that. You're in such a big club. All the players are almost all internationals. So um, it's a lot of work, a lot of patience. I played cup games in my first year, which was, for me, quite unbelievable because I, I didn't start in my own grand team in France. So to play in front of six, 60,000 people in my first year was something amazing. And obviously after, it took me a little while. I had to go on loan. You know, some, that's where you realize that it's not going to be easy. And um, especially you see every year the, signing, the signings Arsenal make and you think it's going to be even more difficult because, as I said, you know, all the players are international. 
But, you know, you, you need to keep your head down, work hard. And when you get the chance, grab it with your both hands and uh, try to do the best to, well, to make an impact and show the manager uh, you can do something in the team and help and help the team. Well, what do you remember of your debut? Did your mind went blank or, or you remember every single detail of it? No, I remember perfectly. I, we, I think it was, uh, we were playing at home. In a, at the time, it was called Carling Cup still. We were playing again against, uh, I think it was Sheffield. And uh, we won. I came, came on 20 minutes at the end. Uh, at right back, I think we won 6-1 or something like that. And uh, I think Carlos Vela was still there and he made a, he had a night trick or something like that. So, no, it was, it was something special, you know, in front of 60,000 people. It was, it was something amazing. So, you, you uh, continue developing. You said you started at right back, but uh, obviously your natural position is uh, to cover as much ground as you can in the centre. But you are being asked to do a particular job uh, in a team that had a lot of uh, talent in front of you. How, how did that, did you have to adapt your game to it or how did that work to be the holding midfielder? No, I think it's something that I always had in me, you know, the defensive quality. So at the end of the day, when you play Arsenal, you need to adapt as well uh, to your game, to the, obviously the good point, the strength of your game. And um, I think in the team we had, we had, as you said, you know, we had so much talent going forward. It was important to, to try to find a balance as well defensively. And that's what I was trying to provide when I was when I was on the pitch and when I got got the opportunity to show what I could do. What What do you think was at seventeen? Were you you were learning at the at the say academy or being mixed with the first team? What What was it you were learning? Uh, how to react to things, uh, be stronger mentally, or, or details of the game that you you didn't know yet? No, I think my first year was a lot of learning. You know, learning language, learning obviously to know my teammates learning the game because it's a completely different game coming from second league in France to obviously the top quality uh, facilities, top quality young players of the country and all around the world. But um, I think on my first year, obviously, Steve Board was the manager with Nin Barnfield and I think I learned a lot with them. And uh, on my first year, we won the FA Youth Cup. I don't think Arsenal won it since. So um, we had a great generation, you know, um, there's not a lot of us that made it Arsenal, but I think we had a great, a great team. And um, obviously, to, to win the AFA Youth Cup, obviously, give everyone a boost, thinking, oh, we might get a chance at some point to play in the first team. Who, who was in that team? Well, in that team, we had uh, Jack Wilshire. In goal, well, the goalkeeper was James O'Shea. We had um, Kai Bartley, who's playing at West Bromwich. Luke Ayling, uh, Leeds United now. Henry Lansbury. Was, uh, I think it's still Aston Villa, not playing much, but at the time it was special talent as well. But yeah, I think the, obviously the key player at the time was, uh, was Jack Wilshire. Are you you're still in touch? I know you're friends with, uh, with Jack, but you're still in touch with that generation more than with any other perhaps? Well, to be fair, with the years, yeah, you, you lose a bit of contact. Uh, obviously, um, well, I'm still looking, I'm looking sometimes while everyone does. So um, I know very much where everyone is at the moment. I know we had Jay Manuel Thomas that in Scotland as well. Jack, obviously, is in Bournemouth now. He's doing well. I think he, they will play the playoff for, to, to go up. So um, obviously, you lose a big contact, but you're trying to obviously see what everyone does. And um, I'm still obviously in contact with Gilles Sunu, who is French. And uh, we, we had a, a great bond at the time. And um, obviously, we play in a national team through the youth from together, so um, we're still in, in contract. So if you had to organise a meal with uh, 
players that you've been at that time, uh, what kind of people would you invite? Well, I invite the whole team, you know. I invite everyone. You know, I think we had a great bond. We had the... It was a special year. My first year was a special year. Uh, as I said, you know, winning the FA Youth Cup and, you know, the bond between everyone. Uh, Emmanuel Frimpong was there as well. So it was quite a funny one. So, no, no, we had a great team. And as I said, you know, it's a shame. You know, in football, that's sometimes that's the problem. You know, you, you, go, you get across so many nice people, but you don't, you don't, you don't get the, the chance to, to stay in contact with everyone. And, yeah, that's a shame. There are moments where you like, everything is alive and you leave everything to the full and everything's very intense. Yeah. And all the friendships, uh, you, you feel very close to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but then sometimes it feels like when you become more of a professional, if you like, that all that goes, it becomes a job. I don't know if you managed yeah. to carry that sense yeah, yeah. of amateur football almost into the life that you've got now. Yeah, well, it's difficult as well. You know, when, you, when you're in this first year, we see you between the first team and still a young player. At the end, you know, obviously it's a collective sport. But when you get to the, the really professional part of it, obviously you think... You start to be close to yourself and trying to make everything, you know, you, you have to make it at the end, you know. And obviously it goes through all the all the friends, all the teammates. But you know, you I think you concentrate more on yourself when you get home. Obviously, the family helps, you know, concentrating concentrating on yourself and everything. But I think from a collective sport, obviously you're fighting, I mean, in my you fight for your place every every day. So um, it becomes, as you said, you know, it becomes a, a different, it becomes a job. It is a, and obviously the passion is still there. But at the end of the day, it's your work and you have to, obviously you have to show you're better than the one next to you every, every day, every week, every weekend. So obviously when you're on the pitch, you can tell everyone get on with each other, the band and everything. But, you know, everyone's fighting for, everyone's fighting for a place at the end of the day. Everybody's fighting. Even even within your group, of course, you're all fighting to be one of those special eleven that, that get chosen. Yeah. But do you prefer the the managers that actually bring that kind of amateur feeling that that, that brings that atmosphere, which almost like you back to be a kid and is all about playing the game than anything else? Do you prefer those managers to those that uh, that is all about win, win, win? To make a good world, you have to. You need manager from from both. You know, some manager are like that, and some manager are different. I think you learn from everyone at the end of the day. I had the chance to be with special manager through my through my career, so um, I've been a long time with Arsene Wenger, and he's someone that always enjoyed the game. But he, at the time, you know, enjoying the football and playing nice football doesn't mean you don't want to win, win, win. I think the mentality with Arsene Wenger is he always enjoyed playing good football, uh, short passes, and he had his identity in the game he wanted to play and develop. But at the same time, you could tell he was, he was hungry for, for winning trophies and everything. So I think you, should, you need to find a balance between, between both. I've been in Spain as well with Marcelino, and there was someone as well who was eager to win. You know? And now with uh, Unai Emery, I can, I can sense as well, he wants to play good football, he wants to win with, a, with an identity in, in the game he wants to play. Is there a, a particular chat that you had with, um, with Arsene Wenger, who you speak very, very highly every time you talk about him? Any chat, any moment that you, that you particularly remember? Anything he told you, perhaps? 
well, we had a lot of chat. <laughs> um, no, I think it's someone, uh, obviously, the, the big aura has got everyone thinks, you know, it's always put your pressure when you go and knock at his door to talk. But it was someone who was always open to, to listen to you and uh, you could talk to him pretty easily. You know, I can only say good things with Arsene Wenger. You know, uh, at the end of the day, he, he brought me from a small club to, to the Premier League. He gave me the chance to play. But if I have to remember one chat, well, it's been a few, but I think it was one who's been kind of decisive in my Arsenal career. I was on loan in Charlton and uh, it was many injuries and I came back. And the first three games... I'm not playing. I'm playing, I think, two or three minutes. And I'm thinking, wow, you're calling me back from loan from Charlton. I'm playing every week. And I'm back there and I'm not even playing. And he said to me, you have to be patient. You will get your chance. And he gave it to me. And that was the moment where my Arsenal career turned away and I could, um, I got the, the chance to show what I could do. And uh, that's where I started playing. You're listening to Can We Come In with Guillaume Balagay. The halftime break is brought to you by Genting Bet. Visit sports.gentingbet.com for all the latest odds and in-play betting. And please, gamble responsibly. I don't know if you want to be a manager after, but uh, do you realise that every word you say as a manager <laughs> counts? I mean, he would, that was said like, well, 15 years ago, whatever it was, no, not so long ago. But you're still in your mind, so you have to be so careful in everything you say. Would you want to be that kind of person that advises? Well, to be a manager, I think is, uh, I think through the years, it grows into, into you. Um, I'm someone who loves the game, so I don't know. I can't tell you that I won't be, but um, I don't know if it's where I want to go. Or if I want to go, uh, I'd rather first go with youth system you know with the young young players because I feel like when you give the messages the messages to this to these young young players you know I think they they get it and they carry it they carry it through their career and uh, I think when you get to the professional football it's, some, it's something different you know the players knows the game they knows they've got the perception of the game obviously you can give them obviously some advice but I think I would prefer to to build the players from younger and see them develop is something that would that would enjoy. It'd be very rich, uh, uh, and rich experience for anybody to listen about your experiences, all, all the things that you go through, the countries you've been to, yeah. but also how your own role has evolved. Uh, I don't know if you uh, expected that moving from one country to another to Spain, your position would be would be so different because you went from being yeah, hold the midfielder to very early on. Uh, I think it was Marcelino who was asking you, "Oh man, you can do so much. <laughs> you can actually get into the box. You can, you can uh, in Spain. You can do all that." Did you expect that change? That's the thing in England, you know. I think um, when when I was in England, I got I got kind of put in a in a case where everyone thought, "Ah, oh, he's a defensive midfield. He can't. He can only tackle, re- get the ball back, and." Pass it short. And I think my, my teammates, 
obviously receives me on a daily basis, knew I had, I had more to give and I could do more. But obviously, you know, they, I kind of got put in a case, I reckon, from the fans and everything that I could only defend and, and not really do much going forward. Obviously, when, when I get to Spain, Marcelino told me, you know, with the quality you've got, I think you can do more than that. Obviously, I, I, I'd say myself that my strength, my strongest points, obviously, is defensively. I can, I can give a lot defensively, but I can actually as well give stuff going forward. Obviously, I'm not someone who get you goals, but uh, I can give you balls to score. I can, I can give you this transition from midfield to go attack. So... I think yeah, in England I got I got restricted a little bit to to the defensive side of my game, and in Spain I got the chance to to show what I could do in both sides. So it's something that I really enjoyed and that I could show. Also, what is a holding midfielder these days? I mean, you look at PSG and they've got Paredes and Berratti. They may be the holding midfielders. I'm in, I'm in Manchester today. <laughs> you know, these guys are not guys that tackle, or, or, or their, their main job is not to tackle Busquets. You know, what, what, he's the one given the pass that makes yeah. opens up a defense as well. So uh, we have to move on from that idea, don't we? Yeah, well, obviously there is different style of defensive midfield. Um, and yeah, the one you mentioned, I wouldn't put me in this. In I wouldn't put myself down, uh, <laughs> with this lot. Uh, but as I said, you know, I think um, there's a lot more to my game than just defend. And uh, I got the chance to show it in Spain. And uh, I was happy to show it, you know. And I think Arsenal fans show it. I've uh, seen it the last game when, when I gave Jaromino a pass of goal that I could make it 3-0. So that could actually give something going forward as well. In UCV, you've got also titles, which, um, which I guess there are so many professionals that go through their lives in big clubs as well. They don't get the opportunity to, um, to lift a trophy. So what's the feeling like... Um, is it a fulfillment? But then the next day is like, what next? Uh, yeah, obviously, it's, it's, it's something incredible. You know, uh, I probably, when I stop my career, I would look back at the trophy I won and obviously something you can't take it away from you. And uh, I think my first one was really special, you know, because obviously coming back from loan in January to, to go on and win the FA, the FA Cup was something special. And I think the one... Marks as well, my career is the one we won against um, Barcelona in the Copa del Rey and two years ago. Because obviously, you know, when you change country, you don't know what you're going to discover. You don't know how it will go. And for me, it was a massive achievement because, you know, uh, I changed club and I still succeed, you know, winning trophies somewhere else than Arsenal. Because Arsenal is a massive club. Everyone expects you to, to win trophy. And I think in Valencia, it's a massive club as well. And people didn't win any trophy for a long, long time. I think it was 12 years. So to be in this team, able to win a trophy again and to be, to be able to obviously to put back Valencia in front of the scene was something very, very big for me. And I was really pleased. You know, I think this trophy was meant a lot for me. And especially after what I went through in my early stages of my Valencia career with a, a massive injury. So to win this trophy was something special. And hopefully now I can succeed with Villarreal and hopefully we can, we can qualify to the final of the Europa League and why not lift another one? You, you win the 
trophy with Valencia is perhaps the worst thing you could do because they got rid of all of you <laughs> in the way that Spanish football works. It's like, thank you, next. <laughs> I mean, is it not, not easy to explain that, is it? Well, you know, it's at, at the end of the day, we went through all the COVID situation. I think economically, it's been difficult for a lot of clubs. They made the decision to, to do what they did it's football at the end of the day, you know, this, this thing can happen. Obviously, it was a big project. You know, uh, we, had, we had a strong team. Uh, we had a great bond between each other. And you could see it on the pitch. And, um, well, now is the past. You have to move on. But, yeah, uh, the two years and a half that I spent there was, was special. And I'm really pleased that, that I made the choice to go there. And, obviously, with a great manager like, like Marcelino. I guess you didn't have to change houses, no? To go from Malafi no, no. to Villafra. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> you are, you, did you buy the house? Are you, are you in a good place? You're, no, you're I didn't buy the house, but um, obviously my kids is going two minutes away from my house. So to go to Villarreal, obviously was, it was a, a good project. I had a lot of ambition, you know, I had a, a good chat with the president and he wanted to make a strong team. And he had a lot of ambition for this season. And um, we still, we're still in a race to qualify for Europa League. And obviously we have the, the second level semi-final. So it shows that we had a strong season. And obviously for me and my family, it was um, obviously was an opportunity for, for them to, to stay in Spain in the same house. And, uh, you know, um, it's difficult to, to find stability these days. And obviously with all the COVID situation, it was something, something important for me and my family. How many kids have you got? Uh, I'm the stepdad of two and the dad of uh, one, so three at, at the house. Three at the house, and, and yeah. what ages are they? Very young. Uh, the older one's going to be eleven, nine, and the the little one's going to be four in at the end of this month. What what a gift it is for footballers to to be all over the place, so the kids can learn languages. Yeah. And what 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 languages have they picked? Some of so Valencian and, and, and Spanish. Yeah, well, they, yeah, yeah. They speak, they speak my, my, my two old, they speak fluent Spanish, they speak fluent English, they speak French. And obviously because of school, they speak a little bit of Valenciano. So yeah, I think that's, that's a luxury, obviously, for them to, to learn all this language. At this age, they learn so quickly, they adapt so well. So um, now for, for them, obviously, it's a plus for, for their life in the future to, to be able to speak so many languages. I guess it was uh, obviously, as you say, the pandemic was hard to, for everyone and, and we've all suffered one way or another. And we've all changed. But one of the positives is that you have, must have given a lot of quality time to your family, all the time that you owe them. Because <laughs> we, we end up owing a lot of time to the families. <laughs> we tend to pay it back in the summer. But, uh, but here, it has been an opportunity to, to make those bonds stronger, don't you feel? It was a time to spend time with them. And with your wife, it was the time to see if there was a right run for you because you spent so many times <laughs> with her. <laughs> if you didn't go well at home, I think you know if it's the one for you or not. But you, still I, the, you still got the same wife, so you're okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, I still got the same, so I think we're pretty strong. <laughs> but no, I think it was a great time to spend time with them, with the kids, obviously with my wife. So um, as you said, you know, we, we spent so much time away from them. And uh, to be with them all the time and spend time with the kids, I think it was something important. And uh, obviously in the family, it ties the bonds a lot more. And, um, and, and when everything opened again, obviously we will, we will 
not take everything for granted and obviously appreciate all the little moments we can get and all the little stuff we can do. That's the lesson, isn't it? That's that's the lesson. Did the kids knew what was going on? Did they understand it or not? Well, I think, yeah, the my oldest one, yeah, they understand it. Uh, my, my little one was funny, you know, because she didn't really understand. So she was like, oh, every time we were going a little bit outside, she was like, oh, we need to wear masks now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it, to be fair, it's a difficult period for them, you know. It's not it's not nice to see your kids go to school with a mask, but obviously it's, it's what we have to do at the minute. Obviously, uh, now we have the, the vaccine coming up, so hopefully it can help everyone to, obviously, to 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 win against this virus because it's been obviously difficult for everyone. I'm thinking of all the people that lost uh, close ones and uh, it's been hard. It's been really hard and hopefully the month and the year to come will be a lot a lot better. So let's go back to football and as you say, it's the second leg of the semi-final. Strange game, the first the first game. It's like it was in your hands and all of a sudden it was like a like a like it all crashed in a way and you came out of perhaps with the feeling that it was a missed opportunity. Yeah, well, you know, I think if you look at the game, if if we would tell all the team before the game two one, and we go home, we'd have been happy. But obviously, when you look at the game and everything that went through, yeah, there is a little peak of disappointment because we had uh, we had so many chances to make the three 0 and we conceded the cheap penalty. I don't, I don't know, I don't think it's a penalty, but you know, it's a it's a referee's decision at the end. But yeah, it's, obviously it's a bit bittersweet because you got so many chances to make the free nil, and now the tie is really open. Obviously, going there, we know it's going to be difficult. But um, I think we show in the first leg that we can we can hurt them going forward, and that's what we will try to do in in the second one. I guess one of the things missing in this uh, pandemic is that you don't get people coming to see you in the hotel on the day of the match. That was part of the fun, wasn't it? And then after to have the opportunity to spend more time with some of the new rivals, which I guess you had some other friends uh, wearing a national shirt, no? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. All these all this little things that we could do uh, before, obviously, they, they getting taken away from us. But at the end of the day, we, we got the chance to, to do what we love still, playing football, so we can't complain. Um, but I got the chance to speak with my teammates from Arsenal. And uh, obviously, I will get the chance to go back to the Emirates. Will be as well special for me. What What, what do you think of um, Mikel Arteta and his job? What What he's doing at, at Arsenal? Do you see a pattern there? Yeah, well, Mikel. Obviously, I knew him. I played with him, so um, you could see from from him as a player that he had. He had. You know, when I was talking about something inside you that's been that's that grew over the years, you can tell Mikel when he was a player that he always had something in him. You know, he was he was managing playing basically. So no, it's it's not it's not a surprise for me to see him there. And um yeah, for him obviously the season uh has been difficult because um I think they're not they're not where they want to be in the league. And I think the the only chance to, to play European football this year is to win the, the Europa League. So obviously they've got a little a big pressure on, on his shoulder. But what he's bringing to the team, he knows the club very well, he's been the captain of the club. And he's trying to put his identity in the game. Obviously, he spent many years with one of the best um, managers in the world, which, which is Pep Guardiola. So, obviously, you know, he knows where, where he wants to go. So, you know, and the good thing, you know, at, at the minute with the managers, every time you get bad result, it looks like uh, you're getting sacked. And the good thing with, with Mikel at the minute is um, they give him the time to obviously do 
do his job, uh, pull his ideas, and um, hopefully, you know, uh, this summer he can he can have the team he wants he wants to have and uh, and grow from there. But I think, uh, yeah, you got you have to give him time. Uh, he's given a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, playing time to the to the young players as well, uh, which he, oh, they give him back well because I think they they performing really well. The likes of Saka and Miss Miss Rowe, these players, you know. Um, I think this year they've been flourishing through through Mikel. So I think it shows everyone he's got this mentality of playing. If you if you play well, if you add something to the team, he will play you. And uh, he, he's always been like that. So yeah, I'm happy for him. And hopefully, hopefully, in the years to come, he can he can do really well. When when he made his debut with Arsenal, were you in were you in the squad that? Yeah, day? yeah, I was there. He made his debut. I think we lost against Manchester United, and he signed the day after. I think. I can't remember I think, who against it was. Yeah, was it was Brom? Uh, it was a game in which um, or, or or Southampton. You were nil nil at half time, and it was his first game. And he walks into the changing room, and he starts talking to you as he had been in the place for like ten years, and as captain almost. And he just arrived, uh, and I heard from a couple of witnesses that um, on one hand, Arsene Wenger realized, yeah, that's the guy that I, I wanted. That, and he just asked him, just got to a corner and let him talk. Do you remember that day? That's Mikel, you know. Um, you, you, we're talking about Mikel, we're talking about someone who's, who's been captain all the time. You know, he's been captain at Everton. He's been captain through, through his career. So he's someone who always want to bring experience to the, to the table, help the teammates. And uh, yeah, you know, this kind of chance, I'm not surprised. You know, Mikel was some, someone uh, willing to, to learn the game, willing to improve every day. And um, yeah, that's that's how he is, and uh, I'm not surprised that he's done something like that. I don't know if you, uh, in your social media, you decided to also uh, not to publish anything uh, for the three days of the Van holiday, uh, the uh, time to um, protest and fight against uh, abuse online. Is that something you feel very strongly about as well? Yeah, I think it's something we all we all against it. You know, I think uh, what's happening at the moment is. Everyone, everyone is against it. You know, before it was just one person, one person, and I think everyone now is starting to, to be with each other and obviously to to make a strong group to fight against it. And uh, now yeah, it's something obviously you can only be disgusted by the what's happening on 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 social network. And um, at the end of the day, you know, it's a sport. We're all human. We all make mistakes, and this kind of stuff, you know, is unacceptable. And uh, and I'm happy, obviously, everyone's obviously fighting against it. It's something really, really important. Have you ever been told anything in the streets, face-to-face? Anybody came to you and said, uh, you're a terrible player or something like that? No, well, I, I had the chance. No, well, um, it never happened to me. But it can happen to anyone, you know. Uh, you you get across a, a fans that is not in a good mood because you, you, had the, you made a mistake or something and then... And then obviously it can start like that. So no, as I said, you know, at the end of the day, it's a sport, uh, and football is a sport that unifies. You know, it's something everyone wants to play football. Uh, doesn't matter what religion, what color, what race. You know, it's something that always been the sport where everyone, everyone just go with each other and get on well with each other. And and obviously to see all these abuses is something we can't accept. And uh, and I'm really really happy that everyone's fighting against it. I just wish people saw more of the kind of camaraderie that you've got in the teams that you're in, but with the rivals that you play against. 
that friendship, that, that bond that you have, if we could see that more often, perhaps, perhaps fans would be less tribal and will realize that, that we're all the same race, we're all the same people, and, uh, and we should respect each other. And the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is, um, have you discussed in the changing room the uh, European Super League? Is that something that centered the conversations uh, between players? Well, yeah, we talked a little bit about it, but to be fair, it went so quick from it's going to happen to it's not going to happen that we didn't really take the time to talk about it. No, I think um, it's something that can happen, you know, in football. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, what's happening with the small teams? If you don't, if you don't have money, you can't, you know, you have to think of everyone. You know, football has always been a sport open to everyone, open to the smaller groups, to the smaller teams. And... Um, I think he has to to stay like that, obviously. And uh, I'm I'm glad when I see a small team, you know, go through the Champions League and get into the semi-final or why not the final. So um, to get a close league like that wouldn't make any sense. You understand fans protesting in the streets and uh, getting to Old Trafford and that kind of thing to say that's not the way. Yeah, exactly. And well, Manchester the minute with the ownership and everything, yeah, everything, you know, mixed up together and uh, that's what happened. Yeah, and I think it's right. The fans are right to to protest because at the end of the day, you know, um, some of them, you know, they just put the the only money they've got to to the game, and uh, they know what the fan from the next team can feel, and they don't want that either. So it shows that the clubs can't make the decision by themselves. They need to come to obviously the fans make the the clubs at the end of the day as well, and. Uh, Everyone needs to be involved in the decision, and decision like that can't, can't, be, can't be made. Francis, Koki, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure thank talking you. to you. And, uh, thank you very much. Uh, on the semi-finals. Thank you very much. See you in the final. Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>